This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. This week we're going to be talking about Frommily and Family. It's episode 472 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. Yes, my talk about season two of From will continue because after that last episode, episode six, oh my gosh, can you believe what happened? I'm going to talk to Chloe Van Lanshoot about that. She plays Christy on the show and you know that she's, she's kind of the one that's sometimes literally and figuratively holding the town together. I'll talk to her about all the stuff that Christy's, Christy's been going through and you know what happened in that last episode. Also, one of my most popular episodes last year of the show was talking about With Love, the new, it, well, it was an anthology series at the time, kind of, on Prime Video. Going to talk about this crazy family once again, the Diaz family, with the entire cast of the show. Going to dig in there and talk about the second season of With Love, and could we have another love triangle to talk about? Going to have to wait and see. Going to talk to them about that. Also going to give you my spoiler-free review of The Lazarus Project, the new sci-fi series coming up on TNT. We'll dig into some trailers and stuff this week in nerd news as well. But let's get started by talking about From with Chloe Van Lanshoot. We'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Summer Bischel from The Magicians, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. After this past week's episode of From on MGM+, Plus, you have to be wondering what could possibly be next. Spoiler alert, one of the monsters is dead. They've got the body. What's going to happen with that? Is he really dead? What is going on? So, yeah, you know I'm going to keep talking about the show because it's been that kind of season. The second season has been insane. So I thought I would catch up with Koei Van Lanshoot, who plays Christy on the show. There are any number of things that we can talk about, but you know probably how this conversation is going to start off. Let's ask her. All right, so let's talk about it then. Episode six, I mean, I think everybody's pretty much called it like the turning point of the show, like overall. So how did it feel just kind of filming that episode and all the craziness that especially surrounded Christy because she was in the thick of a lot of this stuff? Yeah, it was a pretty full-on episode for Christy. And it's definitely, yeah, like you said, a very pivotal moment, uh, pivotal episode of the series as well. I feel like we really start to ramp things up six onward. And yeah, it was super wild. There's a lot going on. The pace is insane. It's kind of relentless for Christy. She's just kind of navigating one crisis after the other. And yeah, she doesn't really get to a chance to take her breath at all or sit with herself. There's a lot going on for her, but she's got a job to do. A lot of people rely on her and she's just got to focus but there's a lot going on inside i'll tell you that oh no doubt about that as a matter of fact okay so we've got the scene boyd goes out there my blood is your blood he goes right up against these monsters and it looks like maybe he killed it maybe he didn't how much are we going to find out about the aftermath of that coming up in this upcoming episode episode six i mean we get a little taste of it but once we get into episode seven is where we really kind of start to unpack no pun intended what what happened there so uh yeah it's this exciting exciting few episodes that are that are coming up and yeah that scene was crazy the way the things started to come out of smiley i was just like oh my god this is crazy (laughs) i think my reaction after that scene was i'm sorry what yeah, yeah I actually, I'm sitting by myself watching this thing. That was my reaction 
when I saw totally. it. So I can only imagine what it was like for you guys being in the moment like that. Well, I mean, we didn't we didn't get to actually see the like the, the effects of it. Those are all kind oh, of added later. So it was a huge surprise to us. So when I was watching, it, I was just like, oh, oh my god, like it was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. So it was really exciting to see it all that whole episode cut together because there's just so much going on, and to be able to see it all, I was just like, whoa. Oh no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Yeah. You've, we all felt the same way seeing that. I think, but like yeah. you said, she's got a lot going on. Anyway, her relationship with Maria, we saw, you know, of course, we saw her take the morphine and, and all the stuff that goes on with yeah. that. How much is their relationship going to be put to the test here coming up in these next couple of episodes? Oh, it definitely plays a forefront for Christy on top of everything else that she's navigating. But again, Christy just is kind of trying to put one step in front of the other and survive at that point while taking care of everything that needs to be done in that town. So it's a lot. There's a lot of push and a lot of pull between her between Christy's duty and her heart and yet yeah, super overwhelming. And we just kind of see her push to her edge by the end. And yeah, it's definitely a big screen. No doubt about that. I feel like she's got a lot of guilt that she carries too, not just a lot of burden, but a lot of guilt as well. And, and we see her sort of, do you feel like she revisits a lot of guilt, especially this season? Cause there's, it seems like, you know, obviously with her being gone, and everything like that. And then Marielle shows up and she revisits that guilt all over again and finding out that, you know, she's gone back to her addiction. Do you feel like this revisiting guilt is this, is that one of the main things that's really starting to get to her? Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I think she has such a, she takes such responsibility and accountability for a lot of things that not only go wrong in the town that have to do with something medical, but also the kind of the spinning point in her relationship as well. Uh, she carries that a lot with her and it affects her deeply, affects her greatly, and it affects a lot of her decision-making as well. And it's kind of starting to overtake her abilities to, to think through a lot of stuff as well. So yeah, exciting and sad to see it kind of all unpack itself as the season goes. Absolutely. And I think some of that too might have to do with Kenny as well, because that, and you know, obviously it seems like she's made her choice, but at the same time, it still feels like this. And I was talking to Ricky about this as well. It still seems like there's some lingering stuff going on there. Are we eventually going to see a Kenny and, and, and Christy kind of kind of talk this thing out? Just just put it all out there where everybody's at. Oh, God, James, there's no time for talking in the next four episodes. <laughs> no one is talking about their feelings. I'll tell you that. But I think Kenny plays a really pivotal role in being there as a friend. I don't think Christy's even had the opportunity to make a choice. I don't think there is a choice to make. I think it's just, again, Christy's in full focus survival mode at this point, taking care of business. She's she's not really thinking about any of that quite yet. She's just trying to see who she can lean on for support. And Kenny, of course, offers that even in the darkest of times and she certainly needs a lot of it especially towards the end of the season so so yeah we'll have to wait and see i'm with you i don't know how you guys have time to think in that place quite uh, frankly never mind do anything else <laughs> yeah think or feel we're trying we're just we're just trying to keep our head above water james <laughs> really quickly chloe before i let you go and i asked mm -hmm. i asked avery about this so I, you know, maybe sarah is the key to figuring out if you guys are going to get out of here maybe it's boyd maybe it's jim whoever do you actually think that christy might be the key to figuring out what the hell's going on here and how to get them out of there. Cause I think that she's a sneaky favorite in that realm. <laughs> I think she's, she's onto some things, especially we see in seven, she kind of accidentally makes a huge discovery that kind of shifts the, our entire thought process around these monsters. So yeah, I would say there's some sneaky elements that she's definitely part of. She's definitely a lot of her focus is on the caretaking of the town when things go awry, but she's really bright and intelligent. And I think there's something there too that she'll unlock as well. But definitely Sarah for sure. I have my money on Sarah that she's she's a huge key to unlocking some secrets of how the hell we're all gonna get out of here. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll see how it all unravels every Sunday. That's when you can watch episodes of from on MGM plus and make sure you're watching them as they come out. Cause spoilers are going to be flying all over the place, especially when it comes to her. Chloe, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, I really James. appreciate it. Yeah. Episode six was insane, but don't sleep on these next few episodes either because it's not like they're ramping stuff down anytime soon for this season on from, will we get answers? Won't we get answers? I can't tell you that, but I can tell you that the wild ride is definitely going to continue every Sunday. Make sure you're watching from on MGM plus. And yeah, you know, I'm going to have more of the cast on to talk about the season formally. I can promise you that again. Thank you to Chloe Van Lanshute for joining me this week to talk about from up next, going to switch gears and go to prime video and talk about the second season 
of With Love. The cast is going to join me next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Lillian Burke from Lucifer Down and Nerdy Podcast. Welcome back to the wonderful world of the Diaz family. With Love Season 2 is now streaming on Prime Video, and I thought it would be a good time to catch up with the amazing cast of the show and find out, I mean, hey, is this a reawakening? For the show, for for the Diaz family, is there is love in the air, and who's taking their relationship to the next level, and what kind of crazy misadventures are they going to find themselves in this time? I want to start by talking to Mark Indelicato, who plays Jorge Jr., and Vincent Rodriguez the third, who plays Henry. Are they the best couple in the show? Let's ask them. Hey, it's my favorite couple. Look at this. Hi. Hey, hey James. How you, guys, how you guys doing? Doing well. How are you? Okay, I'm I'm really good. It's now now listen guys, it's just the two of us talking, right? So so let's be honest here. Do you guys feel like Henry and Jorge they're, they're the best couple on the show, right? Of course. I mean, I feel biased. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't seem close to me either. I just want I want to make sure with you guys cuz if anybody would know, it would be you guys. So I I would let no, you, I'm glad we glad we got that out of the way. It's totally odd. It's one of my favorite parts of this season is we've seen that we see this in the trailer. So no spoilers here. Now it's Jorge's turn to be thrown to the wolves because it's his turn to meet the parents this yes. time. How much are you both looking forward to those scenes? Because I got to tell you, I, I was loving, loving that initial meeting, especially it's great scenes. Really? It's really fun. And I, gosh, it was, it was so nice to be able to get, to, to kind of, yeah, have Jorge be where Henry was last year or in the first season. And of course, you know, in true Jorge fashion, he doesn't handle it as gracefully as Henry did. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It's surprising, right? I'm shocked. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it was very, but it was very, very fun to do all of that. What do you say, Vincent? Because I'm sure you've got thoughts. Oh, man. It, I mean, we really pushed it, too. I mean, it's one thing for, like, Henry from season episode season one, episode one, to do the his bisexual talk to the Diaz, the elderly Diaz family and all the kids and relatives. But, like, Jorge Diaz Jr. with, my, with Henry's parents, there were levels of cringe, like, laughable cringe that were just pretty enjoyable on set. The Jorge Diaz story. Laughable Jorge- cringe. Oh, come on. That hat was fire and you know it. It was. Listen, I actually, you know, listen, Mark enjoyed the hat. Okay? <laughs> Mark enjoyed that. It was Jorge. Yeah, those no, things with the cowboy hats and the, <laughs> it was, it was next level. It was also so, so real too. Like just mm-hmm. that, you know, like that's so relatable. Like, you know, you get so caught up in like, oh my God, I hope the parents like me, but it never can, sometimes it might not dawn on you. Like, I don't know if I'm going to like them and like, but I love him. And so raising that question and seeing what shenanigans and madness ensue from there was actually pretty fun. And then also we got to learn more about Henry and, and Jorge and Henry's parents. And that level of depth and exploration is really refreshing in, in our show, especially for a romantic comedy that celebrates diversity and inclusivity. Definitely a lot, a lot of depth added there. Really quickly, I wanted to ask, we know that they're, they're each other's person. There's no doubt about that. Do you kind of think, though, that they bring things out in each other that we wouldn't see otherwise, because you just see that when when they're together, they they just bring things out in one another. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, every couple, I think, you know, has private moments that are that are not, you know, where they share things with each other that they don't necessarily project in social situations or or whatever. And I think that a lot of, you know, we we see a lot of like Jorge's vulnerability with Henry in kind of very private and intimate moments, which I think is is smart, right? Like, I think that he projects this kind of confidence and this air about him. But if this is your person, if this is, you know, this is your support system, it only makes sense that you would have these very kind of vulnerable leveling conversations, but in private. So I think that it's it's nice to kind of have a delineation between the private and public sphere when talking about a relationship. Absolutely. And we'll see all that come to pass when season two of Wood Love returns to Prime Video on June the 2nd. Mark, Vincent, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And from the best relationship on the show to maybe the most complicated one. And that starts with Emerald Tobio, who plays Lily on the show. We have Rome Flynn, who plays Santiago. And we have Desmond Chum, who plays Nick. And are they paired together again for a reason? Let's ask him. 
here we are yeah. all together again, like we were in season one. And yeah. you know what? Here's a little love geometry for you. Cause you know, at the end of season one, I thought we we're a circle. I thought we we're good. Santi and Lily happily ever after. Now here we are back to a triangle again. So, I mean, what's, what's the deal? Talk about how, how do we end up back here? How much can we actually say? Well, let's just say that everyone's world turns upside down. You know, we're going into like deeper challenges with your dreams and, and, and with, you know, with your plans in life, which means you're going, I guess, deeper in pain. But at the end of the day, it's just going to result in greater victories. But yes, there's a little love triangle going on here when we thought it mm -hmm. wasn't going to happen anymore. And, you know, Lily is trying to find her love and find her career and find her path. So that's kind of what she's struggling with. Yeah, sometimes wow. sometimes growth is reopening old doors. Rome, what do you think, man? I mean, I like I like that answer, too. I think I don't know. I, I, I'm going to let people see it when I see the season two. It's hard for me to describe it as a triangle. It's more so like just her change, changing her mind, going back and forth on situations. And, and then the result of that is what we have for season two. But you're saying like Lily doesn't know what they want. Like girls don't know what they want. Like if guys don't know well, what they I, want. I just don't, I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think y'all are worse at what you don't want. Well, I, I don't <laughs> there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah, sure. I just don't think that she goes back and forth. I think that something happens and she makes a decision. That's what I think happens. I don't know if that's less of a triangle, more of like a, like, oh shit, like I didn't think that was gonna happen, type of thing. It's like, it's like two points no, on the rule. No, but there's a little yeah. triangle like somewhere can, there, bro. It's like a one way street. She goes that way and that way. No, but <laughs> no, there's a little incident, remember, that she goes that way too, and it's then she an goes incident. back this way. I, 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 I this mean, is... maybe. I mean, this is this is representative of the, the, the season. There is, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it except for that noise. You know what I mean? It's gonna be good. Y'all gonna have fun watching it. He just did his best Thanos impression there. That was that was really good, Desmond. Right, well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Speaking to you though, man, it feels like it feels like we're getting a different Nick this season. I don't know. Did, you, uh, maybe he's all grown up, something like that. So, how did you yeah, kind of feel <laughs> heading into this? Did you feel that as well? Yeah. No. Look, it's nice. He doesn't start grown up. Um, it was kind of a weird bridge for me. Like even even the first couple of episodes, I had uh, Glow had to had to have a couple of chats with Glow and the directors and stuff to be like, hey, this guy was like the jokey one-liner Joey guy in season one. And now he's like growing up and becoming wise. What does that look like? Because he can't immediately suddenly become this like very dignified, you know, figure who knows everything. He, it doesn't, that's not Nick either, but it's like, where's, where, what is, what is, what does intelligence and, and kind of like EQ look like on a guy like Nick? And that was a really, I think, I think it's a very good template for like, for, for some very real people out there to follow. No doubt about that. Really quickly, Emerald, it feels like she's she's been trying to find out who she wants to be with, and we get that, but are we going to finally get to see Lily maybe spend some time on herself this season? Because I, I feel like that's been long overdue. Yeah, I mean, Lily hits rock bottom, I think, this season. We'll see it in episode one, and she's kind of paving her way back. But yes, I mean, I, I, more than anything... It's all these expectations that are put uh, put on women, you know, societal with our family. And it's like, where do we find our happiness? Why are we always constantly seeking for validation and trying to make other people happy? So I feel like Lily's trying to find her way and her path. And I feel that is what, what people are going to relate to, her biggest journey, and I guess her greatest victory for, for season two. Rom, do you feel like the, the same way for Santiago as well, too? Maybe he's trying to find himself a little bit as well this season? I don't know if, if he has the room to, honestly. When things happen, it, it, he reacts a lot of times. And I think, I don't know if there's, maybe toward the end of the season, there's a, there's a moment of realization for him. But, you know, my character's, I guess, arc is a bit different than theirs. I think as a result of his love being, his, his kind of identity being really with Lily and things kind of being fractured, I think kind of left him in a, and in, in a place where he's a bit uneasy and doesn't know really know what to do. You know what I mean? So I would like for people to see and, and see where things end up toward the end. The last finale, I think, is really great. The cliffhanger season two is like on another level. Like if they don't give us a season mm -hmm. three, like they wall in. So make sure you're watching it all so that we don't have to be mad about that. When exactly. season two yeah. of premieres on June 2nd on Prime Video. Everybody, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, mate. See ya. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world 
that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I'm James Witham on the Down and Nerdy Podcast, talking to the cast of the Prime Video series With Love, which second season now streaming on Prime Video. And I want to switch gears to the the elder group uh, of the show, talking about Constance Marie, who of course plays Beatrice, and of course her loving husband, Benito Martinez, who plays Jorge Sr. And if you've seen the trailer, you know things are going to be a little different, to say the least, for them. Let's let's get their insight on it. Benito, Constance, I'm not going to lie, it kind of broke my heart a little bit watching them go through, Beatrice and, and Jorge go through what they went through last season. So how great is it to have this sort of reawakening this season and get to have maybe a little bit more fun? On a scale of 1 to 10, 12. <laughs> it was wonderful. I mean, my character was kind of like kicking my butt last, I mean, it was this heart attack and drama and stress and isolation. Is she a cheater? Is she not a cheater? I mean, that was, that was brutal. But I have to say, it, you know, mid fifties to have to try to be a sexy person, that's also a different kind of pressure, but it, a more joyful pressure <laughs> and get to be, you know, in the happiness of the relationship and the redefining of the sexuality in the relationship, more in the joy. I thought that was really, really great. And to rediscover a wonderful love and connectedness to Benito's character, Jorge. It was joy. It was a lot of joy. Well, not unlike Kate and Petruchio, they have their fights only to find out that they're wonderful partners and that they can go through anything in the end. And and that's kind of what it was. It was, you know, we uh, the joy is in the fight, the joy is in the healing, and the joy is in, in the next part as well. We respect the characters, have a great, are, are crafted so well that we respect ourselves individually, and then together we're a, a wonderful partnership. So it's really fun to play. And 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 I, I can't say enough about the writers who, who create these original characters and are so welcoming and exploring the full spectrum of our human journey. So it's a joy, absolute joy. That relationship of the the mother and the father affects the grandparents, affects the kids. It, it's all intertwined. So it's it's not just us. We we're in the we're just a cog in the big scheme of everything. Oh, no doubt about that. No, no, we're, we're the we're the machine that makes this work. <laughs> oh, of course, of course you are. Yeah, of course you are. The the flagship of the DS family, of course. How refreshing is it though? And you're talking about you know being in your fifties and having to be sexy, constants and all those other things. How refreshing is it? to kind of portray a 50s couple on screen the way that you all did this season? Because we almost never see that, if if not never see that the, that affection and, and let's say that level of activity. Let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the kids are always the ones who get to have all that fun, right? And and, and the character of em- Emrod's character, Lily, her love triangle is ooh, got got everybody in their feels, you know, and but when we get to do it, it's not a love triangle. It's with two monogamous committed people. It's a, I think it's a beautiful thing because that actually exists in society. And everybody has that sort of if you've been in a long term relationship where you have that like mid level, you know, little bump where you're just like, oh, are we going to stay in this? How, what is the natural evolution? And I think it's a wonderful example that because it is so human and it we all live it, that it needs its representation. So I'm very proud that we get to explore that. What's fun for me is the physical representation is really just underlining the emotional commitment that they have to each other. So whether it's just a peck on the lips, it sends shivers and it's really joyful. And whether it's, you know, kiss a gentle kiss on the neck, it doesn't have to be a bump and grind the whole time, but it does show the affection and and the, and the wonderful uh, physical connection that that couple has and less is more kind of thing and you get the full joy and understanding of why these people have been together so long that they're into each other in and out of the boudoir again well-written characters less is more and more is more you guys right. will see that right and more second. is more baby well, my favorite is it makes there's a there's a there's a moment where it makes our daughter uncomfortable and that is also hilarious. Benito, Constance, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Nice to meet you. So I guess age-wise, anyway, that would make this the middle couple. Isis King, who plays Soul, and Todd Grinnell, who plays Miles. And what's in store for them this season? Because the, the relationship isn't so new anymore. Let's ask them about that. Last season, 
we started out with them with, you know, will they or won't they sort of thing and with if they would get together and how. This season, they're officially a happy couple, which I love. Did that kind of make you all both approach this season differently now? I mean, yeah, they're a happy couple, but I would say Soul and Miles, Team Smiles, have way more ups and downs this season. There's a lot of conflict. So you're going to see, I feel like being, you know, knowing who the characters are already gave us more room to kind of figure those things out. But but definitely it's a roller coaster. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. We're the the relationship is just more lived in in season two. We're we're just get we're like the the relationship is deepening. I think we're falling more in love, even though there's like rough patches here and there, you know, as any, any relationship, like the rough patches, if you can get through them, make the relationship stronger, you know, so we get to see that, which is really cool. And it was really fun to just, you know, be at this phase of the relationship with soul. We didn't really see that conflict from them last season. So it's kind of refreshing to know we're going to see that this season. Did it kind of make it feel a little bit more relatable just seeing how couples deal with that initial conflict? Because we don't get to see that a whole lot on TV, actually. Yeah, I feel like it was it was fun. You know, I, I already said to someone else, like me and Todd offset, like we're probably the most relaxed too. And we're just there chilling. So it was kind of nice for you know, me to play like an arguing, have one half of an arguing couple, right? Because that's not my real life. So I'm like, you know what? This is going to be fun because already when they say cut, we're just chilling, you know? And I feel like that's kind of what you see for Soul and Miles. So to have them have a little bit more conflict quite a bit this season, it's, it's actually really fun. Yeah. And it's real. You know, I mean, in the first season, there was a lot of like new relationship stuff. There's a honeymoon period and all that stuff. And we still had a lot of things to deal with in season one, which we got into, which was really fun to explore. But in season two, it's like, it's real. Stuff comes up. People don't always act as their best self, you know, and then you come back together and it's great. And I think everybody will relate to that. No doubt. Now we actually see him trying to immerse himself into her culture a little bit. And I felt, I felt for miles at times too, because I've been that guy that's trying to get to know the family, trying to get to know the culture. Does it make that feel more, more relatable as well? And does he maybe take it too far at times? Um, I think so. I mean, I, I hope that people watch miles and who is completely open-hearted and open-minded and ready to just dive in and learn and grow and evolve as a human being and say, oh, okay, all right, it's not like, you don't have to do it perfectly, but, but it can and should be done all the time. That's what we do as human beings, you know? And so there's times when he's a little bit of a deer in headlights and <laughs> doesn't say the right thing and doesn't really understand, but he is so willing to learn because he, he loves soul so much. And that's the real point of the whole thing. It's a great ride for Team Smiles this season. You guys will see when with love. Season two comes back to Prime Video on June the 2nd. Isis, Todd, thank you guys both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And if you love the first season, that's the thing about this is the second season is it takes that step forward for so many of these characters. Even if some familiar stuff does come up, there's a step forward for all of them in different ways and how that kind of plays out throughout the season, I think is very interesting. And we still have, maybe not, it's not necessarily always based on holidays, again, but it's based on milestones this time, which again, you take that next step in the relationship in the show, and that's kind of what it should be. And I, this is there's a reason that this was one of my most popular podcasts when, when season one was out, and I did these interviews in season one, because people just love the realness of the show and of these characters. And that's why, you, if you like romantic comedies, if you just like, Good character storytelling with love, season two. Something you're going to definitely want on your list for Prime Video. Again, thanks to this amazing cast of With Love for joining me to talk about the show this week. Up next, going to talk about another brand new show, this time from TNT. I'll talk about The Lazarus Project. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is comic book writer Steve Orlando, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. If you could turn back time, what would you do with it? The Lazarus Project is going to be premiering on TNT on June the 4th. That is this coming Sunday. And I wanted to give you my spoiler-free review of the premiere episode. I got a chance to see it a little bit early. And in case you don't know about The Lazarus Project, it's basically about a secret organization that has gotten the ability to turn back time whenever the world is at the threat of extinction. And there's a few people that can actually remember these extinction events even after they've been 
corrected. And George is one of them, who's the who's the main character of the show, who's played by Pop Asediu. And excuse me right now for butchering that name. I tried to look up how to say it. Couldn't find that out, so I apologize in advance. But he's your main character of the show. And what you're going to see in this first episode, and I'm going to do this without spoiling anything, obviously, is a lot of backstory about George and his relationship and what he's going through and what his life is like and things like that. So there's a lot of stage setting for George in this thing. And we get to see the very beginnings of what Lazarus can do and what they are doing in this episode. This actually, this first hour long episode feels a little longer than an hour because they cover a lot of ground on a short amount of time. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing, depending on your perspective. But even given that, it kind of seemed like this first episode dragged on a little bit. They definitely set the tone for George and his relationship. And and those were definitely things they needed to do, but maybe did it a little bit too much because this episode makes one mistake towards the end. And it's kind of one of those things where after all of that buildup that they did at the beginning of the episode and something that happens at the end of the episode, because of all that buildup seems very uncharacteristic for George. And it bothered me how it kind of all went down, especially given the, see, I can't say much about it without spoiling anything, but there's certain circumstances that they set up to make it. So the ending bothered me. Like it it almost undid everything that I liked about the episode because what happened didn't actually have to happen in my mind and why it happened is, is the thing that really bugged me more than anything. It's a, and it just goes to show you like one small thing can turn into a big thing that, 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 that much I could tell you. I mean, what happens isn't really a spoiler cause you see it in the trailer, but again, I don't want to really say what it is just in case. But at the same time, like it's like how it happened bothered me more than anything else, I guess is the best way that I can think to put it because it, 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 it doesn't make sense why it was allowed to happen. I, that's that's the, all I can really say without spoiling anything. Now, what they've done to lay the groundwork for Lazarus and what they're doing and what they're up against, that was the most interesting part of this episode, is, is the inner workings of that. Once you get into the science fiction part of this show, it becomes very interesting. And it's not that the per- interpersonal things of this show aren't interesting. It's, it was good groundwork that they, that they laid down. And you start to see a little bit of the camaraderie of the team in the early going as well. So there, there's likable characters here, but at the same time, they, there's also uncharacteristic elements once you start to learn more about them that make you go, wait a minute, this just doesn't seem like something this person would do. So it's the interpersonal things that sort of contradict itself in this first episode. Now, are we going to see the aftermath of that in future episodes? Can't tell you that because I can only talk about this episode. So that's just kind of how I felt after this first episode, just going, kind of going, okay, wait a minute. Why did X, Y, and Z, why was that allowed to happen? But once you get into the science fiction element of it, and the concept of the show, those are the two most interesting things. And those are the two things that are going to keep me watching beyond this first episode. So yes, there are characters that I think you're going to like, but there's also characters you're going to be frustrated with. And maybe those are two reasons to watch more than anything else is you got that, but you also have to see what these characters are going to do and what they're up to. So the intrigue is definitely there for a couple of different reasons, but there were a couple of things that also really, really frustrated me to no end. And there was one actually particular storyline that frustrated me too, because it kind of made me just go, are we really doing this again? Are we really going down this road again? I don't need any more stories about this. And you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about when you're watching it. It's like, we don't need to keep going down this road. We really, really don't because I'm not sure how much I still want to see stories about this particular subject matter. 
and you'll understand. You might, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, once the show is is actually aired and we can talk about spoilers, we could talk about that at another date. You can you can reach out to me on social media, whatever. But I I, I think you'll know what I'm talking about when the show actually does air on June the fourth on TNT. But I'm very curious to know how you feel about the Lazarus Project. I know it's it's gotten some other really good reviews. And again, the science fiction elements and the story elements of the show are good. I love the concept, but certain executions of the story is where I sort of had a problem. So I'm 50-50 on the Lazarus Project. Yes, definitely going to keep watching it. And hey, who knows? Maybe I'll do an updated review and see how my feelings might change. Maybe after a few episodes in, let's check back in and see how things are going for the Lazarus Project. And that's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of the show. Guess what? Up next, going to talk a little nerd news and see what's going on around the world of entertainment. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey guys, this is Chloe Bennett from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The tangled web of the Spider-Verse might have more connections than you think. It's time for nerd news. And of course, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in theaters right now. My review should be coming next week. So I'm going to give some time to be able to talk spoilers. But Total Film reports that Sidney Sweeney's character in Madam Web might actually be revealed. And this could be a big deal because she's going to play Julia Carpenter. And if that name sounds familiar to you, that is the second Spider-Woman. So she's going to basically be Spider-Woman going forward. As a matter of fact, if you re- if you don't remember the character, she kind of gets her powers from this secret government group. In, she was a test subject. They injected her with a mixture of the spider venom and exotic plant extract. So that's, that's how she ends up getting her powers. Now, where this gets interesting is that, remember, this character shows up in Secret Wars in the comics, which of course, is the current track of the MCU we're eventually going to get to Secret Wars. Now, you're thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, that's way down the road. How does that make sense? Well, this movie doesn't even come out until February 2024. And if you think about that, I mean, with the writer strike going on and potentially the actor striking after that, and I don't want to keep opening up that door all the time, but let's face it, projects are getting delayed left and right. Are they going to hit that mark of February 2024, especially with this writer strike going on its, I think, second month? Now, we could see a lot of stuff getting pushed. And if this gets pushed even closer to the release of Secret Wars, then who knows? I mean, it it just seems like for Secret Wars, and they don't necessarily have to connect the worlds. They're already kind of connected because of of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, so the Sony Spider-Man universe and Marvel Studios universes or the MCU are connected kind of a little bit. But not really. I mean, it's like a soft connection, right? So think about it this way. This is certainly a character that could appear in Secret Wars, and I don't think she'll be the only Spider-Man character that appears in Secret Wars either. And by then, hopefully, we'll have X-Men, we'll have the Fantastic Four, you know, we'll have all of these new things to talk about as well. But you, you kind of have to include Spider-Man characters in this thing too, right? Obviously, Spider-Man himself, but... It just wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility, especially if you've got Sidney Sweeney, who's a big name, still a very much rising star in Hollywood. This is a name that they're going to want to have attached to the MCU in some capacity, I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if this is not at all an accident. This is a stacked cast for this Madam Web movie anyway. You know, Dakota Johnson's going to be playing the title role and, you know, her future and other movies, you know, who knows where that's going to go. But this, I, I just don't think that this is an accident. So just this is something to keep our eye on for the future, for sure. want to talk about a couple of trailers that came out. I actually want to start with Jack Ryan. Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, the final season, going to be hitting Prime Video on June the 30th. And this trailer, I'm a big Jack Ryan fan. This, these shows with, this show with John Krasinski and company has been one of my favorites since it came out. And I've been waiting for this fourth and final season. It does not disappoint. This this trailer just feels like it's so it's so Jack Ryan. If you've loved what the show's done so far, this trailer's going to make you smile so much. And you know that Jack is the acting CIA deputy director now. Excuse me. So there's there seems like there's some sort of presidential assassination. Was the CIA involved? Were, were, were they not? So while they're trying to get to the bottom of all that and this internal corruption and things like that, Jack and the team just kind of 
you know, just kind of stumble across a convergence of a drug cartel and a terrorist organization. If that sounds bad, yeah, it, that would be pretty bad. That like the ultimate evil kind of happening. So while they're trying to figure out this whole internal corruption thing, they're also trying to maybe avert another potential disaster here with this thing. And this is kind of where Louis Ozawa's character comes in of Chofa or Chaufa. Just you get glimpses of him in this trailer. And Michael Pena's character of Domingo Chavez, who seems like he's a black ops operative for the CIA. This is not going to be the fun loving Michael Pena that you used to for sure. This is a very much a serious role for him. It's, it's almost kind of weird to see him like that in this trailer, but I think it just, just the short little bit of it we got looks like it's going to work out really, really well. But I mean, just seeing Jack Ryan and James Greer and Mike November together, just them alone works for me. And then you've got Abby Cornish. that's going to be coming back as Kathy Muller, where, Hey, Kathy, where have you been sort of thing? Right? So what's going on between her and Jack? We'll have to get a little bit of an update on that, hopefully in this upcoming season. But yeah, I can't wait to find out where this final season is going to go. Yeah. I'm going to be really sad to see the show end, but four seasons is a really good run. You don't want anything to go on for too, too long. I don't think, I think this is a perfect time to end Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. And this fourth season definitely looks like it's going to go out on a high note. I also want to talk about the full trailer, the official trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which now is going to be coming out on August the 2nd from Paramount Pictures because we get a little bit of an update on the vibe of the movie. It was a little, you know, the, the first trailer, the teaser trailer was very fun. And this one is too. But you kind of see, you know, the turtles, you know, longing for something better, something more in their lives, you know, like being able to, you know, integrate with society and things like that. You see them kind of wanting those things. And we get a lot of Jackie Chan's splinter in this as well. It's going to be a very different splinter. I think he's still going to be old and wise, but there's a fair amount of seemingly wise cracking going on here and very much dad-like in this trailer as well, which I really, really loved. And we get, we get a little bit more interaction with April. But what we also might see is our first look at Baxter Stockman, you know, Superfly in this movie. And we get some other mutants as well in this thing. You know, we've got, we're going to have Bebop and Rocksteady. We saw them in the last trailer, but we see some others as well. And the gist of it is, you know, hey, society's never going to accept mutants, so we're just going to make it only mutants. And that's where it starts. And the turtles are like, hey, if we take this guy out, you know, everybody's going to love us and we'll have... You know, maybe maybe our lives will be a little bit better. So there's a fair amount of push and pull going on here. We get to see the Turtles' personalities come out a little bit more in this trailer as well. I think this thing is so on the right track. And this is why, this is a perfect example of why you don't necessarily need a live action movie if you can do the animated movie really, really well. And that's my hope. For Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. And it seems like they have this thing going in the right direction. Because this is the second trailer now that we've seen. That's given us a little bit different look at this movie. A little bit more of a serious look. And it works. So it seems like the powers that be here have a good idea of how they want to tell this story. And you know we've got a potential last Ronin project that could be coming at. And it could be announced at any point. Right, if it hasn't already been announced as of me talking about this. So I think that this is a good direction that they have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles going in right now. I just hope that it stays that way. I really hope this movie pans out the way I want it to. But we'll find out together on August the 2nd for sure. So you remember Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that show that never really got enough respect or never got a chance to be what it really should have been from ABC, the basically the first... MCU series well Chloe Bennett who of course played Daisy Johnson Quake on the show who is still a fan favorite to this day finally set the record straight in a recent interview with Screen Rant talking about whether or not is she coming back you know there's been rumors of her being involved in Secret Invasion and things like that and just a small quote from the interview because I'm not going to read you the whole thing you can see it on Screen Rant I'm sure you already follow them anyway she said I've not been asked but I would be more than excited to put on that suit again again talking about the suit that she wore as Quake in the show. 
Now, is this just her posturing, trying to keep the secret of her possible involvement with Secret Invasion? Sure, that's absolutely 100% possible because it wouldn't be the first time somebody that worked with Marvel has done that. And Daisy herself, Chloe Bennett, has certainly been good at keeping spoilers close to her vest in the past. But at the same time, it almost feels genuine, right? That she hasn't been asked because, let's face it, from the get-go, from the start of the MCU and the start of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Marvel screwed with this show so many times. They had their own story going. They had their own thing going on. Then something would happen in a Marvel movie, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. seemingly had to change their entire storyline to fit what was going on in the movies, and that derailed the show so many times. They were so often on the right track and then got veered in a different direction. Anytime they were allowed to tell their own story and be their own thing, it worked out so well. And when they weren't, that's when things got a little screwy. So this show's been disrespecting these characters outside of Phil Coulson have been disrespected a great deal. There were so many great characters on this show that never quite got a chance to show us everything that they were fully capable of. Now, I think we got a solid ending to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when that show did finally end. But at the same time, it just feels like some of these characters could still be doing more. And Quake is right near the top of that list. I don't think we can rule this out entirely that she might be involved and this is posturing. But at the same time, it does feel genuine. Although I don't think this door can be fully closed because how much the fans love her. And let's just face it, Chloe Bennett should be doing more in general because she's just a a really good actress. She's a fun person, a personality. I think that she could be doing a lot more. I know the Powerpuff Girls thing isn't happening. That's probably going to end up being for the best for everyone. But what she does next is going to be really interesting. And maybe hearing about what her next projects will be could give us an indication of maybe what her Marvel future would be because you got to leave your schedule open a little bit when you're working with Marvel. So we'll have to see what happens there. But I, I'm kind of thinking that this is uh, this this is a non-story. But we'll have to wait and see. I want to talk about it anyway, just in case. So if you're a My Hero Academia fan or just an anime fan in general, you might have noticed something that happened this week. And ComicBook.com actually picked up on it too. The IMDb listing for the live-action My Hero Academia project was updated. Now, by who? Nobody knows because it's already been taken down but it was kind of listing the cast of the upcoming project and some interesting names i just want to bring up a few like david mazuz as izuku now again you remember you might remember david from gotham he played bruce wayne and bakugo was going to be played by jace norman and ida was going to be played by isaac hempstead just as a few okay so fans were not happy about this now Does that mean that this is absolutely happening? No, these are rumors at best. And again, who updated this? I would like to think if this was updated by the studio, it wouldn't have gotten taken down immediately. And I don't think somebody is just going to go rogue at Netflix, right? And be like, screw it. I'm posting this. Netflix is pretty good at releasing things when they want to release it. As a matter of fact, they've got their Tadam global event that's going to be happening anyway here in a few weeks. Why would they reveal this in such a nondescript way and just throw it out there before a virtual event that they're hosting where they're going to make a ton of announcements? It doesn't make sense that they would do that. So there were obviously more names announced for this. I'm not going to go through the whole list because we'd be here forever. But is this a warning sign for Netflix based on how the fan reaction went? And does this kind of tell us that maybe we shouldn't do these live action anime adaptations? Maybe it just shouldn't happen because it seems like no matter what you do, fans aren't going to dig it. We saw what happened with Cowboy Bebop. We saw what happened with Death Note, which I didn't hate, but obviously a lot of people did. And I understand why. Okay. So you saw and, and One Piece fans are already scared enough about One Piece as it is. Although I, again, the little, little bit that has been shown so far, I think so far so good, but we're going to need a lot more, especially like a first actual trailer. We're going to need that at some point to make a determination. But it just seems like the standard's too high 
And I'm not saying that anime fans have unrealistic standards. Maybe that's how this is going to come across. But it seems like the standard is way too high for these characters. And almost anybody that you cast, it's not going to be universally liked. And I know that that's, it's 2023. That's not something you're going to get anyway. You're not, almost never going to get anything that's universally liked, except for Ted Lasso, which, you know, is it over? Is it not? That That's another story. But it it just seems like this is more trouble than it's actually worth. No press is bad press, blah, 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 blah. Well, or or, or is it? Because it seems like you're drifting in that direction with every anime adaptation that you try to do. And maybe this one's just not worth it. I realize how popular My Hero Academia is, but you can find other ways to tell these stories and let this continue without trying to screw with something that everybody already loves in the first place just for the sake of trying to make it in live action. Not everything has to be in live action. I think the Turtles are a perfect example of that, like I was just talking about. I obviously love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I would love more stories, but... It doesn't have to be in live action. Again, more trouble than it's actually worth unless you're doing it to put out, you know, the the human faces that you think are going to draw, right? The the draw should be the turtles. And if the draw is the turtles, why does it need to be in live action in the first place? So if the draw is My Hero Academia, find a way to make another story that's anime, just make another anime. Make a different animated series. Do it in a different animation style. Maybe you're thinking, whoa, not cool. Not cool. Don't mess with that. Okay, well, do you want other versions of this or not? Because that's that's the ultimate question for anime fans. Do you want adaptations of this or do you want it to be left alone? If you want it to be left alone, that's fine. But you got to make up your mind at some point. Do you want these stories to be tried to be told in a different way and in a different format Or would you rather they just stop it, leave it alone, let it be the thing that it is and the thing that you've loved from the get-go and just it doesn't need to be done in any other way. And whatever your answer is, I'm cool with it. But you're going to have to pick one at some point. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to my wonderful guests for joining me this week. Make sure you're subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, doesn't matter to me wherever you want to subscribe. It really helps out when you subscribe. It really, really does. So I know you love listening on the website, but if you subscribe on your favorite podcast app, that would help out a ton. It means bigger guests, a lot of other opportunities, things like that. So yeah, if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. Also follow along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and Instagram at Down and Nerdy on Facebook at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok. Also make sure you're following at Mission Collect. As well, that's the collectible show that I'm doing. A lot of fun stuff happening there, too. And, of course, all this at downandnerdypodcast.com. Remember, as always, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.